Put up, y'all. Okay. <laughs> How are we? Good. Good to be here with you all this morning. Uh, my name is Tori. I'm one of the pastors here at The Well. Uh, and so glad to be worshiping with you all this morning. Um, I mean, I actually really, really, really love at times when we do a more simple set um, because, uh, listen, instruments are glorifying to God and they do something to our emotions, which are actually very beautiful. The Psalms talk about that all the time, but the instrument that brings the most glory to God is actually your voices. And so as you then proclaim God's goodness, it reminds those around you, including me this morning about the beauty of God and who he is. And so, uh, I just love hearing the, the voices of the saints of God kind of calling out to God, either in prayer or in worship. And so, um, thank you. I mean that for singing because uh, it really does remind me about the goodness of God in a way that a guitar or a drum can't. Like, yeah, I hear the promises of God. I hear the request to God as we sing and as we pray. And so uh, thank you for, uh, yeah, just singing in that way and kind of drawing even me into worship this morning. So y'all ready to dive in? All right, here we go. We all right? We good? A little bit? All right, here we go. Uh, we are going to be starting a new series very, very soon. But uh, before we do that, I'm excited to continue to kind of talk about some of the things that God did with me uh, during my sabbatical. Uh, if you're new here, I was on sabbatical this summer, and I'm the lead pastor here at the well, and so uh, glad that y'all are here. But um, this is probably the thing that God kind of impressed on me the most throughout my time of sabbatical. So I'm excited to talk about it. So let's dive in. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. We'll be in Matthew chapter 7 today. Um, if if you need a Bible, the ushers are going to come forward. If you would just raise your hand, they'll come and they'll give you a Bible. Uh, if you do not actually own a Bible, I would encourage you, hey, raise your hand. Maybe you just want to see it today, but I would actually encourage you to take and to keep that. That's our gift to you. We want you to have the word, to be able to use it during the week. And so, man, please raise your hand and save yourself eight bucks, all right, because that's how much them Bibles cost. We ain't buying $30 Bibles for y'all, all right? Y'all can get that yourself, okay? But uh, grab those. You can also follow along on your smartphone. If you have the version app, just type in the Well Austin, or uh, you can follow the link and put it right into your browser. Links uh, here on the screen and also in your bulletin. So we say this every week, we want your eyes on the word. Uh, here's the reality that we know is happening. When anybody communicates, uh, nothing happens to the soul because our words don't have value or power in and of themselves. However, as the Holy Spirit interacts with the words, and as he interacts with the scripture, man, transformative work can begin to happen in our hearts. And so that's why we say we want your eyes on the word because sometimes God may draw things out that he didn't impress upon me to say during preparation that he wants to impress upon you even right now. And so we want your eyes to be on the word, to be able to uh, hear the voice of God, to receive uh, what God has for you. And so uh, please, man, follow along. And um, today what we're going to be talking about uh, is something that usually sparks a ton of guilt in people, Okay. In fact, I think out of every topic, this topic tends to breed more guilt in people than probably any other topic in Scripture. Great way to start a sermon, right? Some of y'all are like, why did I invite my friend today? Okay, uh, it's nothing crazy, all right? We ain't tripping today, but uh, we're going to be talking about the idea of prayer, all right? Collect a sigh of relief, okay? Sort of, right? Um, now, here's why I say I think it tends to breed a ton of guilt in people. How many of you, okay, kind of frequently think, maybe it's weekly, maybe it's monthly, maybe it's quarterly, but you think something along the lines of like, dang, man, like, I, I, I just, I wish I prayed more, or like, I really need to pray more often, right? Yeah? Sure. Hey, we can raise our hands, all right? Y'all acting like we in an 80s Lutheran church. Y'all like... 
all right? Hang on, a little bit charismatic, all right, right? Show of hands, for real, put your hands up if you think, man, I need to pray more, I wish I prayed more, keep them up, look around the room real quick, okay? Like, like you, you are in good company, all right? The majority of people feel that, okay? Now, uh, how many of you, after thinking that, saying, man, I really need to pray more, or I wish I prayed more, how many of you then end up becoming prayer warriors and you pray a bunch more? Right, nobody, <laughs> right? Okay, there's one, one person I saw kind of throw their hand up. I don't know if they even heard the question, okay? And so most people would feel like they really, really want to pray more and they would actually say, I should be praying more, but then they think those feelings and then they don't pray more. And what it does is it actually produces this guilt inside of us. And listen, guilt never draws you into intimacy with Christ, nor does it motivate you into long-term prayer. It's kind of like a five-hour energy shot, right? Like, maybe it kind of awakens you for a moment. And so today I could come and kind of preach like a guilt-ridden sermon, like you need to be praying more. And guess what? The Well Austin will be a praying church on Monday. And then guess what? The Well Austin will not be praying on Thursday, okay? Because guilt doesn't really motivate us in any real way. And so what I'm hoping today is that through the words of Jesus, you actually feel the removal of guilt and yet at the same time, a great motivation toward prayer and seeking the face of the Father, amen? Well, come on. All right, we're here, come on, all right? Uh, here's the interesting thing, okay? Jesus is at the end of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus is giving this one long sermon called the Sermon on the Mount, and it's the largest sermon that Jesus actually gave. And this is actually the third time that Jesus is talking about prayer in the midst of this sermon. If you actually count just the verses in and of themselves, about 15% of Jesus' sermon is focused on prayer, and so Jesus clearly cares about this topic and he wants us to be able to understand it as well. If you are that repetitive, it means something to you personally and you really hope that other people see the beauty and the reality of, to, of it too. So Jesus is imploring, really beckoning us to pray. He, he wants us to see the value of prayer. And so I wanna read the whole text this morning. It's Matthew chapter seven and we're gonna read verses seven through 11. So it's just a shorter little passage here, but I want us to begin to see Jesus's heart toward prayer. And so let's read this together and then we'll chop it up. Matthew 7, verse 7. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks him for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? There's a ton of truths packed in here. We'll break them down a little bit today. But before we dive into the text at large, I want us to begin to enter into the original hearer's world for a second, all right? Remember, in this time, these people were, most, uh, most of them were illiterate. So they weren't really reading things and there was no TVs or any sort of uh, mass entertainment. So they weren't watching things or listening to things. The main way they received their entertainment was actually through stories 
tell him. And so because of that, these people probably had a far greater imagination than what we have today. And so as they're hearing this sermon from Jesus, and as he keeps painting these pictures for them, which he does all the way throughout the sermon, what tends to happen is that they would probably be thinking about these images. And if you think about these images enough, you realize that this is actually a really absurd metaphor, and it's kind of a wild image. And what probably would have happened was they would have actually kind of chuckled or even laughed at this idea because of how absurd it would have been. And so the first point that has nothing to do with prayer is that, man, Jesus is kind of funny when he preaches, all right? And if I was a really good communicator, I would have had a joke right there, but I don't, okay? So that kind of worked though, all right? So Jesus is creating this absurd metaphor to kind of stress this point. Like what father, when a child asks him for uh, bread, would give him rocks instead, right? Like imagine that for a second. The kid's like, hey, hey dad, I- I'm hungry. You know, can I get some bread? And he's like, yeah, sure, son. Rocks. Ha, 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 ha. Right? Like, that's absurd, okay? And so that's not what's going to happen. And so people probably laughed. And though funny, what Jesus is doing is he's making a really good point here. And it's the first point of our idea of prayer. It's how he introduces us to prayer again. Is that God loves to give good gifts to his children. Okay? I only got one amen for that. So, all right. Come on. Amen. God loves to give good gifts to his children. Hello. That's good news for you and I. Right? Like that God wants to give us good things. It's actually okay to ask God for things. Like I don't know if you believe that because I don't. And my prayer life is a testament to the fact that I don't believe that. And I'm sure yours is too in a lot of ways. But it's actually okay to ask God for things. Like I love it when my kids ask me for things. And listen, Jesus in this text calls me an evil father. And so if I, an evil father, love to hear the voice of my children, how much more does your heavenly father love to hear your voice and to come to him and ask of him in prayer? This is a beautiful truth. Like when Micaiah asked me for something, my oldest daughter, I don't go, you foolish little girl, go fetch it yourself, right? Like that's never, I've never even thought about that, right? And so why would the father feel like this? Now we laugh at that, but I think a lot of times we actually feel like that that's the way that God thinks about us because we produce what we may think at times onto God and then think that's how he acts, It's not how God acts. His ways are not like our ways, as we learned last week. And so God actually loves it when you come to him in prayer. And God loves to, uh, literally delights in giving to us, it even says. And so we'll get more into that idea in a second. But listen, we have to recognize before we even go to him in prayer that he's a good father and he's a benevolent father. Like he wants to give you things. He, He wants to bestow blessing upon you. He delights in you asking. He longs for you to come into his presence. He turns his ear to you and he listens to you. And listen, these words can go in one ear and out the other, but think about the absurdity of that. Like, like you should not be being heard by God. Like, do you know what happened in the Old Testament when you went before God uh, and you just walked in and just began to make requests of him? You died, okay? And I don't know a single person who has gone before the Father in prayer and then died. Do y'all? 
And so really there's this absurd thing that's happening as Jesus is inviting us into prayer saying, you have access to the father. And not only does he want you to come in, he says, hey, come on in, I, I welcome you in. I want to hear your voice. This is a crazy, a revolutionary thing in a lot of ways, but the whole scriptures were always beckoning us toward that. We were just missing the point. And so Jesus says it in the gospels. And I wanna read another verse, which is in the book of Revelation. You can turn there if you want, but it'll be on the screen. You don't have to, okay? But this is like the end, right? Like this is the last thing. This is the end of all times. And here's what it says in Revelation chapter eight, beginning in verse three. It says, and another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. And so in uh, the future, we see this being this uh, idea of incense before God, but this also isn't a new concept. For in the book of Psalms, which is in the Old Testament, in Psalm 141, verse two, it says, let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting of my hands as an evening sacrifice. And so all throughout the scriptures, we see that our prayers are sweet to God. They're like an aroma. They uh, uh, literally allure him. They awaken him. There's this beautiful thing that happens that your prayers go before God and they don't sound like clanging cymbals, but they sound like a beautiful melody that he welcomes in their incense before him. Do you believe that your prayers are like that before your father? Because if you did, I think you'd be praying more and I would too. Right? Like God does not turn his ear toward us or is tired of us asking the same thing. He is a good God who says, I want to hear the voice of my children. They're, they're like incense before me. Y'all, this is good news that deserves at least one little amen in this joint, all right? Like God listens to you, y'all. That's good news that God hears you. He, he wants to respond to you. And so just as I never say, you foolish little girl to Jada when she asks me for something, so God never says that to us. He delights in us asking. Now, sometimes, though I never say to Jada, you dumb little girl, right? I do say no. And then when I say no, she often responds with, you dumb grown adult man. <laughs> And I'm like, Lord, let your sanctifying work wash over me before this child ends up. All right, so, right? Like she gets angry at my no, and then she thinks I'm either wrong or mean. And sometimes we do the same thing with God. Do we not? Like you knock, God answers, he says no, and then you're like, God, you're so mean. We don't realize that even his no is actually his voice, which as we learned last week, if we hear God's voice, it gives us peace or joy or strength. And so even then he is answering you. It's just not with what you desire it to be. And so even in the no, you get the presence of God. Even in the no, you get beckoned into the throne room of grace that you may receive mercy and help in the time of need. Like even there, you get God's presence. See, this verse doesn't tell us that we get whatever we want from God. That's not what it says. It does tell us to ask for anything, but that God gives good gifts to his children. So if we ask for bread because we need bread, guess what God's going to give us? Bread. The problem is that oftentimes we ask for snakes thinking that we're asking for bread. And then when God rejects that request, we get mad at God as if he's withholding from us, not realizing that he's saving our life. 
And so this is what we have to realize, right? Like God is a good God who gives good gifts. And so we actually should not let his no discourage us, but actually encourage us to pray more. Because as we hear the no, then what we realize is God's will must be better. I must be praying for snakes without even realizing it. Let me seek his will out. And it actually draws us into his face more, family of God. Like, man, God is good. Even in your no, you get God's grace. This is a beautiful thing. I think it's true even in my own parenting life, in my own uh, fatherhood, right? This happens every single year at Halloween, all right? Now, don't be emailing me or at me. Yeah, I take my kids trick-or-treating because I ain't trying to pay for candy for them for the next year, all right? It's just easy. I'm stewarding my money well, all right? So as we go trick-or-treating, sure enough, every time, right, like I just give them some candy as we're kind of going. And so usually we give them maybe a piece, right, a day or whatever. But on Halloween, man, they get two, three, four pieces. And I know good and dang well that their little frames are already consuming way too much sugar for like a month's worth of, you know, the daily you know what I'm saying, whatever that word is, all right? And so literally the nutritional value, whatever, okay? And so every single time, right, that I go, okay, like time to put the candy away, man, you would have thought that I just denied them the gates of heaven, right? Like, I don't know, do y'all, y'all parents, you know, you know what I'm talking about, where like you say no to them and it looks like they got shot in both kneecaps because they just fall to the floor. <laughs> y'all, y'all know what I mean, right? So that's what happens to my kids, right? And every time it happens, I'm like, give me that candy. You don't get no more, right? No, I'm just kidding. That's how I feel, right? But listen, I'm saying no because I'm, though an evil dad, I, I know what's good for them. And so in God's no, even though we don't fully understand why he's saying no, we have to have faith, listen to me, family, that God is is good. See, one of the original temptations of the enemy was to tell Adam and Eve that God was not good, that he was withholding from them. And so when we hear a no from God, the enemy's temptation is still to come to you and to say, God's not good, he's withholding. And you have to step on the enemy's head and say, that's not true. I have a good father who gives me all good things in him. Like if God would not withhold his son, Jesus Christ from you, but if you would pray to him and he would give you salvation itself, literally bestowing on you the grace of God, will he not also give you all other good things, family? He's not withholding, he's good and he loves you. And even in his nose, he is doing something good for you, which leads us to our second point, that God loves to give good gifts to his children, but we have to believe that God is a good father who gives good gifts. That's what we've been talking about this whole last five minutes here, right? We have to believe that God is a good father who gives good gifts because if we don't, then we're gonna end up discouraged and we're gonna end up disappointed right? He ain't giving us a pound of Skittles before bedtime, y'all, because he loves you. He doesn't want you puking all night, all right? And so, man, if I come and I ask God right now, like, God, let me get 10 mil, all right? That's how me and God talk sometimes, okay? <laughs> Look, God speaks abonics in any other language, all right? He wants all people to be saved. So if I go to God, I'm like, hey, you know, let me get 10 mil, God, you know what I'm saying? What may end up happening is I actually may even begin to justify this desire to God because I would say things like, look, straight up, I'm gonna use most of it to like buy a church, right? Like I'm gonna buy a building with that. Like, man, would you give me this? Like, man, if we got this building, we could do other good things and and we could, you know, see classes and we could see more training and that will lead to more people.
people, more churches planted, more missionaries sent. Like, man, this is a good thing, God. And I begin to think that this is like a really, really awesome thing, not realizing that what I may be praying for may actually lead to the loss of my faith in the end. And so God in his withholding is actually giving me the greatest gift. He is answering the prayer request that my soul doesn't even know how to pray. And the same thing is true for you, friends, that as you are praying, he may be answering the request that you don't even realize you need. And so even some of these prayers, you may feel like they're actually really good and they're really noble prayers, but in reality, they may be like praying for 10 pounds of Skittles before bed. You just don't realize it. And so you have to believe, listen, that God is a good father who gives good gifts to his children, not destructive gifts. He's not going to give you whatever you want because usually what you want will end up destroying you. Can I get a witness? (laughs) What I want tends to destroy me often. And God is good, right? God also isn't just some cosmic genie either, y'all. Nor is he some cosmic vending machine where you press A7, slap it a couple times, and you get what you want. But I think sometimes that's how we tend to think about God. And so then when we're not getting what we want, it actually leads to discouragement rather than to us seeking his face and seeking his will. We have to believe that he's good, that he's not withholding, that he's not a wicked God. We're just not like God, so we can't see the full picture. Listen, we don't know what's going to happen to us in 10 seconds, let alone in 10 years, let alone in eternity. Listen, not only does God know what's going to happen to you in 10 seconds and in 10 years and in eternity, God already exists there. Like this profound nature of God actually wants to beckon you into this relationship with him that you may see him more clearly. And so, man, what if the things you're praying for would actually bring your faith to a ruin in the end? Wouldn't you want him to say no? Wouldn't you want him to say, no, 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 not right now, son. Not, not right now, daughter. All right, it's not good for you. And so we have to seek him, but the only way we hear those words even is if we knock and if we ask and if we go try to see the will of God. But if you recognize he's good, this won't stunt your prayer life. It will expound it because now you'll start to try to walk into the mysteries of God for your life. You tracking with that? And so this is the idea that we have to have here, that God is good. Now, at the same time, though, even though at times he may give us a no, and I'm focusing on kind of what usually stunts our prayer life at first, listen, the wild thing about this request and about the scriptures in general is that it tells you to pray things of God and to ask him of things and that he actually answers yes at times, y'all. In fact, he actually answers yes often, Like this is an unbelievable truth because what it means is that your prayers have power to literally change the course of history and God interacts with your prayers. Not only does he listen to you, but he responds to you. Like, 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 can can you, can you dwell on that for a second? Like, like God responds to you. How wild is that? That God would literally hear what you're saying and say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going to do that. Yeah, for sure. And he'll answer. And yet at the exact same time, God is sovereign and in control and his will will be accomplished no matter what. And he is above all things and bends his will to no one. And how both of these things happen at the same time, I have no idea that's above my pay grade, all right? But he literally welcomes us in for both of those truths at the exact same time. He wants you to ask of him and to believe that he's a good father who's sovereign and overall. And those two things collide in this unbelievable divine invitation toward his presence called prayer. You get to enter into the throne of God, interact with God. You get to walk with God. I mean, your requests, they actually change things, y'all. 
This is an unbelievable thing. Tim Keller, who's a pastor in New York and an author, said this on a book he wrote on prayer. He said, how does this, or how, how he does this, he, God, how he maintains control of history and yet still makes human prayer and action responsible within a history is one of the most practical mysteries of the Bible. The teaching that our prayers matter, we have not because we ask not, and yes, God's wise plan is sovereign and infallible. These two factors are true at once and how this is possible is a mystery to us. If we believe that God was in charge and our actions meant nothing, it would lead to discouraged passivity. Stop there for a second. Like if we believed that, man, God's just in control, whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen, then it's just gonna lead to your passivity. Like what, what does prayer do to you? It's not gonna do anything. And so you would then just stop praying. If on the other hand, he says, we really believe that our actions change God's plan, it would lead to paralyzing fear why? Because listen, y'all, how many times have you done something thinking you're doing the right thing and you end up in ruin and ruining others around you at the same time? I don't know about y'all, but it's often for me, right? And so if we believe that every single thing we prayed, God would immediately respond to, man, it would cripple us in fear because we would realize we're not wise enough or sovereign enough to be able to know even how to pray. And it would terrify us because I feel like my prayers would ruin a bunch of y'all without even realizing it, Right? If both are true, however, we have the greatest incentive for diligent effort, and yet we can always sense God's everlasting arms under us. Y'all following that dichotomy there? It's this beautiful sense where God says, ask, seek, knock. I want you to come to me, and yet I'm in control, and I know what I'm doing, and these two things happen at the exact same time, and you're able to interact with God in such a beautiful way. This is why prayer is such an astronomically powerful and beautiful thing, family of God. Because you're interacting in the divine nature of God, literally the divine will of God you're entering into and you're able to see this really dance throughout history that, man, the prayers of the saints, they change things. And yet God is sovereign and in control. And that is true of your life as well. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God dwells inside of you and he listens to you, family. And he responds to you and he wants you to seek him out and to, to, to go to him and request of him. And so whether this is a no that God gives you or a yes that God gives you, it will be growing your faith and your relationship with him as you pray. And so pray because he gives answer to his children. He, he gives answers to his sons and his daughters and he actually listens to us. Man, God wants to revive our soul in this idea of prayer. And so we can't be motivated by guilt, right? Like guilt isn't going to get us to that point. Oh, I need to pray more. I should be praying more. Man, what's wrong with me? What we're motivated by is God's fatherliness and his benevolence. And that's why Jesus is bestowing that upon us. Man, he is your father, right? Jesus didn't step into this section and say, you dumb, silly children, right? Like just get off the gram, y'all. Give up Netflix, man, you know, and go pray. He didn't do that. That's not what he did here. He could have because these people were doing the same thing we're doing. Human nature has been the same all throughout human history, right? And so he didn't do that. That's how we talk to ourselves. And so therefore we think God sounds like that sometimes. And in that we hear the condemning voice of Satan and then we think it's God's voice. No wonder why we don't go to him. 
because we have the wrong voice in our heads even. But God is beckoning us in, right? God wants us to come in. Jesus doesn't sound like that, but rather he implores us on the goodness of the Father, on the graciousness of the Father, on the benevolence of our God. Like, first of all, you can call him Father, This is the second time in the Sermon on the Mount that he gives us that reality. This in and of itself is an unbelievable mystery and honestly just an absurd truth, y'all. Like you can call him Abba Father, it says. This is an an intimate phrase. Like you can call him Papa or or Daddy or or whatever phrase you use in your culture, all right? Like, Like you can call him that. And there's this intimacy that is had there. That's this beautiful moment that God welcomes you in. Like he's now your daddy. So go ask of him because he longs to hear your voice. He wants you to come to him. So rather than guilting us, Jesus is encouraging us that he's your dad. So go ask of him. Jesus isn't saying here that you have to pray and therefore you should pray. He's saying that you get to pray and therefore you should pray, right? He's not putting another command or a burden. He's saying, look at the opportunity that comes before you. You ask, you seek, you knock, and it's gonna be open for you. Like imagine that privilege, you get to pray because God listens to you. And so what happens is, is that guilt, which is what we often do to try to motivate us toward prayer, what it does is it actually focuses on the problems of prayer. That's what guilt does. Why aren't I praying enough? Man, if God already knows all things, why should I pray anyway? Man, I don't know if I'm a good enough Christian to be able to be heard by God. And and we have all this guilt. And what that is, is focusing on the problems of prayer. But that's not what Jesus focuses in here on. What he focuses on is not the problems of prayer, but rather the promises of prayer that God listens to us, that he responds to us, that he wants us to go to him, that God likes it when we pray, that he's a benevolent God that gives good gifts to his children. He's trying to motivate us by seeing what can come if we pray to him. This is a beautiful thing, family. And so we cannot motivate ourselves in guilt, but rather we have to see the goodness of God, right? In fact, God loves prayer so much that he gives some people the gift of intercessory prayer. And they just like pray all the time because he wants to hear the voice of his children. And even in that gift, what he's trying to show us as the family of God is that he welcomes them in and listen, he responds to their prayer requests and the same thing that they have, he wants to give to you as well. So even this gift is a way for us to see this motivation toward praying more. And so this is what Jesus is doing over and over and over again. So we we can't get discouraged with the no or we can't get discouraged with our lack of, but rather be encouraged by God's goodness. Y'all following still? Yeah? Like we have to be encouraged by the fatherliness of God, right? Like, listen, there are prayers I prayed for a long time, y'all. And I, I, I don't know why God's not answering them yet. I honestly haven't felt a no to some of them. There's people I've been praying for their salvation for years. And I know the scriptures. It says that God would desire for all people to come to the knowledge of him. I actually know I'm praying directly in line with the will of God. And yet he's not answering at this moment. And I can either focus on the problem of that and that would probably lead me to discouragement and go, well, maybe it's just not the will of God. This person will be saved. That's not what the scriptures tell me, right? Like God wants them to be saved or I can focus it on the promise of God that if I keep asking, if I keep seeking, if I keep knocking on that door that God's going to hear me and he wants to respond to the prayer of his son and this should motivate me toward prayer just as it should for all of us. So whether you've been praying something for three seconds or for 30 years, don't give up, family. 
Like seek and ask and knock and realize that, man, God wants to beckon you in. In fact, I love, look at this uh, 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 verse in Luke chapter 18. There's an idea here. And on the screen, I think it says Luke 8. That's my bad. I just didn't put the one before it. But it's Luke chapter 18. And in verses one through eight, Jesus tells us another parable to get us to understand this idea of prayer, okay? And so I want us to look at this before we kind of end our time together. I want us to think about what Jesus is saying here. In Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse one, it says, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. Okay, pause. How many of you always pray? None of us. How many of you are just like, man, I'm always so encouraged. I never lose heart, right? None of us, okay? So that means this parable is written to all of us, all right? This is a parable written to people who sometimes lose heart or who sometimes stop praying. And he said this, In a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. Now stop again. Jesus is now painting a picture of a guy that looks totally opposite of what he looks like because Jesus, he fears God. God fears God. He is for his holiness. He is for his character. He will glorify himself because he knows that is his glory. He is the only one worthy of it and his glory is our good. And so Jesus loves God and he loves people. He fulfills the great commandment to perfection. This guy does not love God and he does not care about people. So we're talking about two totally different people here, right? But Jesus is doing this on purpose. Look at what this judge does. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect? who cry to him day and night, will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That last section is written for us. Do you believe what I just said is what Jesus is saying? Like, when I come, will I find the faith that says, you know what, I'm gonna keep asking because I know God's not an unjust or an unrighteous judge. I know that he's a good father and a righteous judge who's gonna hear me when I come to him, who wants me to come, who beckons me to come. Do you have enough faith to believe that? Listen, family of God, I know it intellectually, but I wanna tell you that I do not believe that in my heart. Like I, I believe it in my head. I know that God is good, but my own prayer life would tell you that I, I don't actually really believe that. I don't know if the Son of Man would find faith in me in that way. And what he's trying to implore us into is actually to have this faith, to realize God's goodness and his answer to us that he wants to respond to the prayers of his saints. Man, do you believe it, family? Do you believe it? Are you letting it marinate in your soul? Do you dwell on this and think about the reality in this way? John Calvin, who was a a theologian back in the 15th, 16th century, said this, Nothing is better adapted to excite us toward prayer or motivate, encourage us to prayer than a full conviction that we shall be heard. God listens to you. He hears you. This is the thing that actually compels us toward prayer the most. And listen, family of God, isn't Jesus our greatest example of this anyway? Like, I want you to think about the life of Christ. 
Like think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane as Jesus goes and he prays to the Father and he's asking God for something and guess what God's response to him was? No, son, Jesus got a no. And do you know what Jesus did? He walked out, his disciples were sleeping, he woke him up, he encouraged him to pray and he went right back and he sought the Father's face again. Now listen, listen to the, the crazy idea of this. Like Jesus knew the will of God, like the whole history of Jesus's earthly ministry, he is prophesying over and over and over again that he would have to suffer on a cross, die, literally bear the weight of all of our sin, drink the wrath of God. He knew this, he said it over and over and over again. And even still in this moment, though he knows the will of God, he still goes and seeks the face of God, like, like think about the reality of that for a moment. Like, do you ever wonder why that happened? Why he went and sought the face of God like that, though he already even knew the answer was no? Maybe because the blessing, the greatest gift is not in the answer to prayer. The greatest gift is just being in the presence of the Father. And as you go and seek God's face, family of God, no matter what he tells you, it doesn't really matter. Because his face is enough. It's what your soul needs. It will move you into this next moment. It will compel Jesus that though he's about to suffer the wrath of God and literally be severed from relationship with God that he's had through all of eternity past and will have in all of eternity future, that even at that moment, this prayer will encourage him to follow through with it because he got the Father's presence at that moment. And listen, I mean, that was enough to carry him through. A lot of times I think we're weak and weary because we don't get the Father's presence enough and of course we can't finish the race then. We have to seek his face. The blessing comes often in being in his presence. But listen, y'all, like, like God's no, do you realize that that's not the norm, right? See, even there, what happens is, is we begin to focus on the three or four things that we keep praying that we feel like we'll die if we don't get and God doesn't answer it. And then we think that God's not a benevolent or a good God. And we listen to the lies of Satan rather than realizing that God bestows benevolent favor left and right, raining down on you all of the time, family. Like, like any of you wake up this morning? All of us, right? Like that is a gift of God. Did any of you breathe within the last 20 seconds? The scriptures say that that is actually God's gift to you. All the relationships that you have or the provision of your job or the provision of a house or the provision of whatever it may be, this is God's benevolent goodness. His norm is not to answer you with a no. His norm is to rain down blessing upon you because he's a good father who loves to give good gifts to his children, family. He wants you to come to him. He wants to respond to you. He wants to answer, do you believe it? Do you believe it? Is that the reality that's in your soul? Do you believe that he's a good God who listens? Listen, God answers prayer requests that you wouldn't even dare to pray or even know how to pray. Like you realize that not one of us in here would have said, hey God, can you kill your son so I can be saved? None of us would have prayed that. And yet when we say, God, will you deliver me from my sin? That's actually what we're praying. And so God actually knows how to answer prayer requests that we wouldn't even know to ask, family. 
Like this is an unbelievable thing. God is not trying to withhold. He's not a bad dad or a wicked father. No, he's a good father. He gives you things you don't even realize you need and he bestows upon you all the time. Do you believe it? Do you see it? Like our request was, God, will you save me? And he said, yes, I will deliver my son on your behalf. Like, man, this is the greatest request we can ask. And so if we can ask that of God, can we not also ask him for all things? And would he not also, Romans 8 tells us, gives us all things in Christ. He's just gonna give us things that will save us, not destroy us in the end because he's a good dad. And so, man, maybe we can't see why it's a no and we focus on that problem. Don't do that. Like focus on the goodness of God and all of the things that he's given to you, all of the ways that he's answered you over and over and over again. Pray. We get to ask God of things. He loves when you speak to him. Listen, your request may even be absurd at times. Like sometimes my kids come and they ask me for things that are absurd, y'all. And my answer is no, but can I be real with you? I don't, I'm not like uh, annoyed at them for asking me something absurd. I'm just glad that they're sitting in my lap, that they're close to me. You do realize that God just wants you close to him. He's glad when you just come and just sit in his lap. I know probably about 93% of the things I pray are absurd, y'all. If I could see the end result, I would never even, even think to pray something like that. And yet God just welcomes me close. He welcomes you close. He's a good dad who wants you, his son, you, his daughter, to come into his presence. And he gives good gifts to his children. If we believe that, man, it will motivate us to pray in ways that are astronomical, that are beautiful. And so here's what I actually want to do to end our time today. I actually want to pray. All right, what a novel idea, right? I want to pray. And I want to just literally go to the Father. And I'm going to ask the band to come up here in a sec. And they'll play behind us just a little bit of music. And uh, maybe you're not really used to praying. It's okay. All right? We're not going to make you pray out loud. You ain't got to hold nobody's hands or nothing. That's not what we're doing. All right? Listen, praying is just talking to God. Like, like y'all, like, I, like, like all the Detroit comes out at me in prayer sometimes because I just know God listens to me. I'm his son. He knows how he created me. And so all it is is just talking to God. You don't got to use lofty language, right? But I would encourage you, hey, just take a second to actually pray to God the Father. Talk to him in the way you would anyone else. He wants you to come. And I want us to pray for three things right now as a, as a church, okay? I want us to pray for ourselves in a way. In the Lord's Prayer, it says, give us this day our daily bread. You are included in the us, right? Like God wants you to ask of him. And so maybe there's something really, really big that you want to ask God of, or maybe it's something just really, really simple. But I want you to pray for yourself. Secondly, I want you to pray for this church, okay? Something, whatever it may be, whatever God kind of lays on your heart. And then thirdly, I want you to pray for others. It could be whatever you may want here. Maybe it's somebody's salvation. Maybe it's, you know, deliverance from something. Maybe, I don't know, whatever it may be, but that you would just pray to others. And here's what I would encourage you to do. Man, maybe in your notes or if you have your phone, pull it out and maybe write down the things that you're praying. And can I just encourage you to do something? Would you choose to pray for that thing every day this week? Just once a day, every day, that you would go through these prayers and ask God again, that you would be the persistent widow that knocks at the door and says, hey, Hey, God, can you answer? It's your child again. I love you. I want to see you. Would you reveal yourself to me? And that you would pray something like that. Listen, it can be small. There's nothing too petty for our God. 
or it can be massive. There's nothing so great that God can't answer because he's the most powerful being overall. In fact, sometimes I think we pray prayers that actually we ourselves can do, and then we get confused why God doesn't respond. Like, what if we pray things that only he could do so that when he answers, he gets the glory? And so, man, maybe we pray small or big, whatever it may be, but I'm gonna give us a few minutes here, about two, three minutes, and just in silence, I would encourage you, man, write down a couple things, pray to God, and then I'll pray to close us out. Father, thank you for hearing us. you are powerful enough right now to take every single one of our prayers and you hear us and you can meet us all individually and that's true not just of this church but of all of creation you hear you respond you beckon your daughter in you welcome your son home you listen to us you listen to us you listen Thank you, Jesus. So God, I pray that we would be a praying people knowing that you hear us, Father. Maybe we don't even really know you. We don't know you like that. Man, right now we can enter into relationship with God if we but just pray. So God, whether this is the 5,000th time or the first time we've asked of you, would we believe in your goodness, trust in your answer, seek your face continually. We love you, Christ. We praise in your beautiful name. Amen.